0: And this is different than anything, any clinic around. Workouts that are tailored for her, and that really makes a difference. Really personal. I've gotten way more mobile, stronger, flexible. Everything just improves me to the next level. Welcome to the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast where we push sports performance and physical therapy to its apex. We change the game by bringing together the brightest minds in the field to offer best practices and question how things are done today. I'm your host, Mike Quintons, physical therapist and expert in sports orthopedics. I'm living my dream and open the clinic that unites all elements of sports medicine under one roof to drive recovery and performance outcomes. What's happening, Performance Therapy Nation? This is Mike Quintins, your host of the On Cue Performance Therapy Podcast. Today, we are joined by none other than my brother, Chris Quintins, Coach Chris Quintins. Chris is the head baseball coach of the Sun Valley High School Vanguards, as well as the defensive assistant coach for the football team at Sun Valley High School. Today, we will be getting into philosophies and coaching of millennials, coaching Gen Z, uh, and and everything in between— Coach Q is also a, a teacher, so uh, Mr. Q in the classroom. So he'll be offering some insight on that too. So this will be a really cool perspective, not only because uh, he's my brother, but because he, you know, he's uh, he's a student of the game, so to speak. So it's it's um, no surprise there. He's been very successful in the, in the amount of years he's been coaching and teaching, and uh, sky's the limit. So. I'm I'm honored to have you on. Uh, this is exciting. I know I've been bugging you for a little bit about it, and it's baseball season, so I snuck you in here on a Sunday morning. It's all uh, good. I'm happy to be on. Uh, but before we get ahead of ourselves, I'd like to thank the listeners for subscribing and leaving five-star reviews. The five seconds it takes to scroll down to the bottom of the screen and hit the five-star button can only help us get more listeners like you uh, with the same interest in sports medicine. So thank you for that. That means a lot to me. That's You, know, you guys are the motivation be- for wh- who I bring on and what we discuss um, so here's my little, my little UFC pitch I'm going to try Chris Chris and I are UFC fans So uh, ladies and gentlemen This is the main event And now For all subscribers And sports medicine fans Listening around the world This is the moment You have all been truly waiting for The main event Live from PTW Newtown Square It's time Let's hear some noise <laughs> What do you think? I think was pretty good <laughs> Crowd's going wild. I'll take it. I have goosebumps I like that. Yeah, right? Me too. Uh, aside from being my kid brother, Coach Quinton's has a background in all sports, having played baseball and football throughout high school. He's also a teacher at Sun Valley High School, like I mentioned before, located in beautiful Aston, PA, just south of Philadelphia. Coach Quintins has, uh, was a standout high school football player at Pancras High School, named All-Central and all Delaware County as a senior. He played his senior season with a torn ACL, which limited his ability to play in college. He has coached 20-plus all-league athletes, three all-county athletes, and two all-state athletes in his uh, five, seven years?
1: So, so it would be my eighth-year, ninth-year T. Te- Ninth year coaching, eighth year teaching, and uh, my sixth year at Sun Valley. There you go. All right. That's a lot of numbers. Uh, he's
0: Well, you're a math teacher. He's a student of the concept of coaching and is just as passionate as anyone I know regarding the psychology and maturation of young student athletes and, and even more so young men because uh, that's, that's what you're passionate about and that's who you coach. So let's, let's get into it. Thanks for being on. And um, what got you into coaching? Uh, and then who, like, tell us about your first coaching experience.
1: Okay, Um, as far as what got me into coaching, I was a high school athlete, and growing up playing three sports year-round, it's, it's part of what you do, okay? So when you live that every single day for 15, 18 years, it doesn't just go away. And with my body breaking down, like I knew senior year with a torn ACL, I had uh, three torn ligaments in my right knee, I needed to coach my back up to play any any snap anytime I went down. So that was kind of the start of it, and it really helped because I had great coaches in my corner. Like Coach Graham, who was recently on the podcast, was one of my coaches, and he allowed me to have that freedom as a captain, and that really helped me towards a coaching career. Um, another great influence besides Coach Graham um, was Coach Ludwig. I was a, a squirrely little ninth grader um, at Pancrest High School, and... I don't know, we got in an altercation in the the weight room um, right before baseball season, and he sees me out on the baseball team and just gave me the business right away. And it's a different concept in coaching nowadays. Like, you can't just do that to kids. But with me, it worked. It kind of whipped me into shape, taught me that I I am an influence and that I can be a leader. And with that influence, and we'll talk about this later, you're either going to be a positive or a negative influence, but someone's always watching. And that's what he taught me at a young age. And that really propelled me to be the leader that I am today.
0: What traits did those coaches have that uh, stood out to you? And I can, you know, while you're thinking about that, I have said this many times, you have different mentors in in your career, in my career, uh, where I can, I pick and choose different things I like, right? And I implement that into like my art, right? Like Mm -hmm. what I do. So uh, what are some of those traits Mm -hmm. that you have found from those two coaches or any other coaches?
1: Well, for, for me, more than traits, it was, maybe this sounds a little sensitive, but uh, it was more emotional. Those coaches really personified the whole mindset of students don't really care what you know until they know that you care. And when they showed that within the first few weeks of playing for them, you're going to buy into everything that they do. And that's what they did right away.
0: And, and that's, that's different um than some things I've I've heard in the past but caring is is I feel like always a common theme right like like so a lot of coaches will describe at least you know probably more often in personal conversations than on the podcast techniques and philosophies they use uh and the it's not revolved around caring or or even emotion I think it, it almost has to be but that's not what they would say even though they like they know it maybe they do it subconsciously nonetheless I, I think that's a huge point, uh, especially as we get into, we'll get into this, the millennial versus, you know, Gen Z techniques, you know, softness of Gen Z and, and millennials have plenty they're of- They're not soft, they're just different. And I know, right. I, and I'm with you. I agree with that, but that's, that, that's a, the generalization that, you know, that, that we'll hear, uh, about Gen Z. So w- tell me about some of the philosophies, uh, that you follow res- with respect to coaching and teaching.
1: Well, that's one of the main ones, um the one that I follow and will continue to be my philosophy from the day that I started till the day that I finished coaching is I'll never make a player do something that I'm not willing to do myself. Okay. I will never make a kid do anything that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. If I'm going to tell a kid to condition, I should be conditioned as a coach. If I'm going to tell a kid to stick to his studies, he needs to see me in the classroom working. Okay. It's little things like that. If I'm going to tell a kid not to be a knucklehead on the weekends, I can't go out and be a knucklehead on the weekends either. Okay. I need to be, the face of the team i need to be in the community kids need to see that and being going back to being that positive influence okay no matter what i do and no matter what i say it matters everything that you say matters to these kids
0: i was at a director's summit this past i uh, was a couple days ago on friday and it was all on zoom unfortunately but it's about le- a lot of it's about leadership because all the directors and the directors. so it's it's uh, they're all leaders And, and it's, um, you know, sharpening that, that sword, so to speak is, is kind of what we touch on and they harped on some, you know, the the CEO and COO, a lot of the higher ups harped on leading by example, telling someone to call their, you know, patients that aren't scheduled is, is that's, yeah, that's best practice, but are you doing it? And if you're not doing it and you're asking someone else to do it, you know, what does that say about you? Uh, So, so I agree. You got, you got to walk the walk too. Uh, yeah, I, m- I remember writing that down and starting on both sides. Because I mean, I think it's reality that at least in a clinic environment, that I'm not going to be able to do all the things that I'm asking my staff to do. Right? For example, um, like vacuum. I'm just looking at the turf in here, vacuuming the turf. Like I'm kind of running around. I got a lot of things to do. Uh, I'm treating patients and so forth. It doesn't come to mind like I should vacuum the turf. Usually, I'll you know ask if someone's got a couple minutes that they do that. Um, but that's something that. You know, if they see me vacuuming the turf or folding towels, <laughs> I
1: think that speaks volumes uh, above and beyond what I would ask them to do. And they'll come up to you when you're vacuuming. They'll know how much you do, and they'll say, oh, I'll vacuum that. Um, it's as simple as coaching baseball. Yesterday we're leaving a game, and I'm carrying a bucket of baseballs, and a freshman comes running from the parking lot. Coach Q, I got this for you. They see it. Okay, when I get there early, I'm taking out – I'm opening the closet, I'm taking out the baseballs, I'm taking out the bases. It gets kids to come out of their cars to go do that. They know it's their job. I can tell them a thousand times it's their job, but they're not going to do it unless they see you do it first. And that's leading by example. You and
0: I have spoken uh, many times about um, philosophies with coaching and what you're trying to do to get these kids to come together as a unit, right? Especially at the high school level, talent is, is huge, Team unity and bonding is probably like when even when it comes to winning and losing, it's number true. one, it's essential. Okay, so tell me about it. Tell me, tell me some, uh, some of the
1: uh, just give me details on it. So, um, first thing that I do as a coach is I have leadership meetings every week. Um, and we, we've kind of strayed away from it this year just because of COVID and going through Zoom, but in years past, they would come to my classroom every Tuesday and Thursday for 30 minutes, and we would go over. Jeff Jansen's leadership manual. Um, I believe it's called the captain's leadership manual. And there's a book on it. There's a PDF on it. Um, I can send it your way if you'd like to see it. And it just goes through all of these different vantage points of being a leader. And the one thing that I think is truly important is your body language. So are you in the green? Are you in the yellow? Are you in the red? Green is I'm ready to go. I'm fully focused. I'm in. Yellow is I'm still dwelling a little bit on the past. And we've all seen the red. The player whose body language is awful, arms in the air, flailing, walking off to the side. You can see him red right in the face. You can see the steam coming off out of his ears. So how to control that and how to take that deep breath. And it's as simple as calling time out and saying, my shoe's untied, and just tying up your shoe. If you're on a baseball field, knock off your hat. Walk and go pick it up. Look at, look at the catcher calls timeout goes talks to the pitcher yeah, look, gives my second baseman opportunity to go talk to my right fielder who might have missed the ball like little things like that go a long way awareness right and and then knowing how you can
0: kind of cheat the rules a little bit so you can call time I, I, I appreciate that tip coach uh, we don't cheat the rules <laughs> we manipulate them okay <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 that might even be worse <laughs> um but uh no nah, I mean I think your point your point is 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 well taken there well received so
1: I want to know about the manual. Um, so give me some more on that. How do you know if you're in the green? So of self-evaluation? Self-evaluation. And that's one of the first things you do in the manual is, and it's it's with anything in education, having a pre-test, okay? Learning, having a post-test. So they come in and they're, I want to say there's 50 categories and they have to rate themselves one through five on each of these categories. And how good of a leader you are, are you? And it's not just a vocal leader, but a leader by example. So it gives you both, um, and it splits it in half. So you can see, are you a better leader by example, or are you a vocal leader, and are you a great leader altogether? Then it moves on to characteristics of a leader. It has quotes from great leaders like Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. Um, John Wooden's in it. Yeah, oh, got, I love he, John Wooden. He almost has to be in it. And they, they talk about how to be an exceptional leader every single day. And going through And having our kids collaborate, and we talked about this in the past with Fortune 500 companies are looking for students to collaborate, kids to collaborate. So I can't just be introverted with my own thoughts and feelings all the time. I need to be able to portray that to the people around me so that we can work together. And grouping my students, my student-athletes especially, with people who do not have the same personality type is beneficial. Grouping them with the same personality type is beneficial to knowing who you are Grouping with people of different personalities allows you to have a better understanding of who they are and how you guys can work together with your personality types. What your strengths and their weaknesses are, what their strengths, what your weaknesses are, and now we're working together as a team. Yeah,
0: self-awareness and then, and then external awareness of, of others is super important. And it seems like that kind of it forces them to bring that out. Um, so there's I- identification of the type of leader or potential of the type of leader you, you are. There's uh, self-reflection uh, and a baseline, it seems like. And then you continue to fill that out and work towards where you're in the, the red or the yellow Aiming to get into the green.
1: That's right. That's cool, man. So it's, uh, is there a schedule associated with it? Like, how, how do you do that? So there are chapters. Okay. So uh, I have to go back. I believe it's a 10-chapter book. I've been doing this for years, so um, I should know that. But with that being said, every lesson is different. And at the same time, you can't have – we have 31 players on the baseball team. I can't have 31 leaders. Okay? We have to be, learn how to be a great follower before we can be a leader. And then you'll, with enough practice, you'll have your chance to lead.
0: Yeah, lead, lead. The word leader is is interesting to me in so many ways because everyone can be a leader in their own way and at in varying levels or varying degrees. And uh, we uh, we have a, a younger PT, and usually I don't, I hate to say this, but I, I usually don't hire new grads. Mm-hmm. We have one that's a newer grad; he's been on for like a little less than a year. And I, I asked him the other day because I've, you know, I've since moved on to Ardmore and I'm so overseeing, you know, the Newtown square clinic. And I, I asked him the other week, I wanted him to, cause he was stepping up and he was doing more, but I like the void of me leaving, you know, has to be filled in one way or another. And it's, it is what it is. But I had asked him, I want you to think of ways you can be a leader in the clinic and I want you to report back to me. Just, it's a mini assignment. That's it. Three things. And, and it's interesting. His response initially was like he had called me and he said like, it's like, I can't do anything that you like. You did like I, I don't have all like physicians' phone numbers or email addresses. He's not or, you. He doesn't have to. And I said that to him. I was like, no, 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 no. You're, you're you're missing this, dude. You're missing this. It's not. I'm not asking you to be me or do what I did. I'm I'm asking you to like, for example, if someone leaves a hot pack on a chair because whatever they're they're treating and they take the hot pack, they leave it on the chair, and you're walking past, pick it up and take it back. Like little things like that. And to me, that is a follower leader, whatever, but people see that. Other PTs see that, staff members see that, and they're like, ah, look at Nick stepping up.
1: You know, and so to me that's It's important. that simple. Look at Nick stepping up. Look what he's doing right, and they're going to want that kid to work for them. Um, and the same thing happens in a school district. Like, in my building, the principal's in charge. He's the leader. Then there's a the head of the math department. He's the leader of the math department. But in my classroom, okay, I might not be the leader Okay, in quotes of the school, but in my classroom, I am that leader. So there are different aspects of your job where you're the leader. In this clinic, somebody deals with the golf. He's a leader of that. Somebody deals with elbow injuries. Someone deals with knee injuries. Someone deals with back injuries. They're the leaders of their respective job. And even in sports, think about it. You transferred from Archbishop Carroll as a sophomore to Pancrest High School, when you're on that football field, I guarantee you, you don't feel like a leader, but they taught you things that you can bring home because in our household, you're the oldest brother of three brothers who were uh, a little wild growing up. You were the leader. So you might not be the leader on the field, but you're a leader somewhere in your life. Yeah, it's, it's setting dependent, and, yeah. and that's what we talk about. And it's not just being a great baseball player, a great football player. That's awesome. But high school is only four years. And the chances of you playing college ball, it's slim. And the chance of you going pro is even slimmer. So how can you be a great leader on the field? How can you be a great leader in the classroom? How can you be a great leader in the hallways? How can you be a great leader in the community? Because the hope is for these guys to leave here being, being great at their jobs, but more importantly, being great family members, being great husbands, being great fathers one day. And if we can continue to promote that, we're gonna have a great society, and that's what we want. It's more than sports. Yeah, that well, there you go, right there. That's that that's your uh, that's your Instagram reel, right there. Now,
0: amen, dude. I 110 agree with that. We've spoken about it. It's not all about winning and losing. Um, I I think they're associated, like in PT. Statistics are directly correlated to the quality of PT. You know, are we call them KPIs, key performance indicators? The same thing goes with, with, with what you do in some ways, creating good leaders, you're going to have a better team, right? Yeah, Like that team is going to be better. Uh, and it's not just how well they feel ground balls. It's the discipline that they're going to take 50 ground balls today and they're going to be better because of it. Cause there's discipline and accountability associated with that. So, um, that's a very small example, but amen. Uh, makes perfect sense. Uh, any other team bonding things
1: that you do with the team that stand out? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I did this year and I absolutely loved it. Um, we had, we had tryouts, and three days later, after tryouts, we were going to have our first scrimmage. Um, how do you get all your plays in in three days while evaluating talent and 90-minute practice sessions? Okay, that's incredibly trying on not only the coaching staff but the kids, So especially when tensions are high. So what I did was uh, I took a Sunday – from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., and we practice. And we broke it down kind of like how we do in football with 2 of days So I allow them to practice in the morning. And then after that was over, they had lunch together. Little things like that. And you got to see how the seniors – this is the first time they're all together. A lot of these kids are one-sport athletes. So they haven't left their house in a year. So what do, this is first week of March. What, what do you do? So the seniors – Like to take naps on the turf. The juniors were hanging out with the sophomores. The freshmen, not knowing what to do, kept playing baseball. It's so weird. But you say, How's that team bonding? Well, the other kids recognize what each other are doing. By the second break, people were following the freshmen. Now the sophomores and juniors were playing baseball with the freshmen whether it was just little games it didn't matter they were up and doing something instead of just sitting down not knowing what to do they've been in a pandemic for a year they don't know how to act but little things like that team bonding they get to see who's who and who can do what um and right now we're at a point where we have three freshmen up with varsity three sophomores up with varsity um and a couple juniors And they all worked well together with the seniors. And that's totally different than how you and I grew up, where there was a hierarchy and the seniors you were afraid of. You did not want to talk to a senior. What they said goes and it was kind of like a hazing thing. Now we're working on collaboration as a team and as one unit. And if we can continue to work as one team and one unit, we'll continue to be successful, not only on the diamond, but in life. That well, that is interesting. You mentioned the hierarchy and I loved everything you just said. Uh, and it's got to be
0: cool for you to sit back and kind of watch, you know, observe all that. And you're, I'm sure there's 10 other things you got on your mind that you need to get done before, you know, the breaks up. But um, that's got to be pretty cool, pretty cool to sit back and see that. And kudos to you for being aware enough to like, huh? I wonder what everyone's up to and, and making those kind of observations. That's pretty neat. Well, that comes with planning.
1: As, as a coach, like you have a plan, you're right, you're, you're thinking this, that, and all the other, and you've coached with me in the past, so you see how, um, how anal I am with planning. Everything has to be perfect. Um, but with that being said, since, since I have a plan already in place, I don't have to think about that on the fly. It'll, it allows me that time to observe my student-athlete. It allows me that time to reflect on that observation. And when you're observing them, we're not commenting on... This kid has no arm. He stinks. Like, no. Instead, we're saying, how can we put this kid in a better position to to succeed? Yeah. And you see it. Like, this kid's a freshman. Of course, he's not going to have a ton of muscle. He's not going to have a huge arm. So how can we help this kid out to be more successful? Or
0: or not cause him any harm. Or
1: not cause him harm. How can we um, put him in situations to be more successful? Uh, How can we coach him and talk about technique rather than talk about talent?
0: Yeah, that is interesting because a lot of the times the focus is uh, what do I need to get out of this individual to help the betterment of the team, right? Yep. Uh, and a slightly different approach would be how do I maximize this individual's uh, potential and ability to get the to get the most out of that individual to better for the
1: betterment of the team? That's yes. the, that can be different philosophies uh, yes. or very different approaches or results. And it goes back to observing yeah. and reflecting and having that time to do so. And it'll... It'll make the most of an athlete.
0: So what, what are the, some of the things you see coaches doing
1: wrong? Uh, and what, what could coaches uh, of youth organizations be doing better? The number one thing that I see coaches doing wrong is critiquing effort, especially in games. Um, at practice, I get it, but in games. Coaching effort, yelling at a kid for dropping a fly ball. I guarantee that kid didn't want to drop the fly ball. Um. Missing a tackle on a football field. Did the kid try to miss the tackle? Did he try to drop that wide open pass? We're not. We're yelling at them for the wrong reasons. So little things like that. Um, coaches on the practice field being unprepared, not having a great plan, not scripting things out. Those are the things that are an issue. And the last one, more than anything, especially with these Gen Z uh, student athletes motivating them. Your job is to, ins- you're a coach, you're a teacher. Teachers are coaches, coaches are teachers. Okay? Whether your job is to be a teacher or not, like, you are a teacher of students. Your job is to motivate and inspire. So if I'm embarrassing you, publicly shaming and embarrassing a student is the number one no-no. If you're going to embarrass a kid, take him take him to the side. Okay? And talk to the student. If... You embarrassed them publicly. You better find a way to make am- make amends by the end of that practice, because the first thing a student's going to say right now is, "Screw you! I'm not playing for that guy." It, Everything you built that season has gone out the door the second you have publicly embarrassed that student. We
0: we were we were um I'd say we were raised, but we saw we we saw exactly that when we were younger and that was the way that, you know, the way it was, that's the way it was 15 years ago, baby boomers, I guess. I don't, I don't know who, what generation was coaching us. I'm not, I don't keep up well with the Gen Z millennial age stuff, but to me it is relevant though, because we were, we coach a lot of coaches coach the way they were taught. Like we said before, right? You pull things from your mentors and, and you incorporate it into, into your body of work. But with that being said, we, it, for us, it was different. I remember getting yelled at all the It's college football. I mean, like spring games, getting yelled at. My There were maybe 500 people in the stands. Mom and dad were in the stands. I'm getting reamed out like there's no tomorrow. And and you come to accept that and you move on. I mean, I, my, my response wasn't, and, and maybe we're raised a little differently, but my response was never like, screw you, I'm not playing for you. It's, damn, I got to get that right next time. But it's a different time. So millennials, in my opinion, and I think you agree, have to adapt. And every generation has to do this, but has to adapt their their
1: teaching approaches to Gen Z or to whoever they're coaching or teaching, right? Yes. And like you said, um, you got to get that right next time or I'm going to prove you wrong. Kids don't think that way anymore, that I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, They think when they get yelled at that they're a failure. Um, and, and that's it. So what's the way around it? What's the way around like it? How, how, how can, I can, as how a can coach and a teacher, it? you are a fan. If a kid fails my a math test in my class, am I going to tell him he's stupid and he doesn't know math? No way. I'm going to teach him through those moments to make him a better math student with that specific content. Or I'm going to veer him in a direction where that student can be successful. So in the end, as a coach, you need to realize that. You're not just a coach and a teacher. You're also the biggest fan of this student. So instead of sitting there being a drill sergeant telling kids they have to do their up-downs, they have to um, do these cone drills and barking at them the whole time, encourage. That's it. Encourage. Okay? And if you need to model it, show it yourself and allow for yourself to be embarrassed a little bit as a coach. I fell over a bucket of baseballs the other day trying to show a drill. Okay. Kids laughed. Now they're loose again, and now we get back to playing. But you need to encourage and continue to motivate and inspire your players rather than put them down. And that's the biggest message to youth coaches right now.
0: So, so how, does, how would a coach who uh, has traditionally been applying the concepts of I correct them when they do something wrong, I let them know, I let them know in front of the whole team, that's just how I've been doing it, but I'm willing to adapt. Uh, what's a, how, do, how do they adapt? like what like are there any tips that you have for 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 uh adapting an approach
1: the best tip is to take a step back and observe watch somebody else do it think about the words that they use and that's it and i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say the way that someone else is doing it is wrong no if that way works for you i'm all for it if you have established a rapport with your players and an established routine every single day and that's how things go yeah you have a good chance of being successful but in a public school system where I'm getting new players every year new parents every year it's it's not always going to work that way it's just going to cause more headaches for you more problems for you and kids are going to regress I think take that that step back tip is very interesting because,
0: you know, we, we coached together for a few years and i watching some coaches and I, you can be like this. I know I can. I know I can definitely be like this and other coaches even more so than us reactive uh, without taking, you know, a pause to to think about what the words that they're going to say or how that how they say it. Um it, as opposed to being proactive, right? Proactive yeah. would be okay. If this happens, how am I going to respond? Because it's going to happen, right? Like there's going to be fumbles in football practice. There's going to be drop balls. There's going to be missed tackles. There's going to be missed assignments. Being proactive and thinking, okay, how do how would I coach, you know, John Smith on how to pull, you know, and kick and kick out that D tackle better. 'Cause I know it's gonna happen. He's not gonna do it perfectly. He's gonna put his head on the wrong side, or he's you know, he's gonna stumble out of his stance or way too forward on his hand, whatever technical stuff. Um, how am I gonna address that? And do I dress in front of others so they can learn, uh, without embarrassing him, or do I just call him out so he feels bad? You know, I, so what I'm saying is we have to be proactive and prepared. Yes.
1: Yes. Fair. Yes, I completely agree.
0: How do you select your staff?
1: Um, good question. So selecting a staff, um, I typically I, I want First and foremost, hardworking people. That's it. So um, teachers are a great example because I know the people around me are very hardworking um, and I can see it every day, but I want a hardworking individual. When it comes to football, are you going home and watching the film Friday nights after the game? Are you tagging the film Friday nights after the game? The second that the next film comes up Saturday morning, are you tagging things? Are you sending messages in the group text talking about what we can do moving forward Or are you dwelling in the past? So um, we've all coached with those individuals um, who are hardworking. We've seen it on other staffs. So also networking and talking to other coaches will be beneficial. As far as picking a baseball staff, um, I just got – it just helped me out. Um, When I took over the freshman baseball program at Pencrest, one of Coach Ludwig's – Coach Ludwig was there, I don't know, maybe 30 years. um, One of his assistants – Asked to come on, and he's been my assistant coach since. So he's coached me at Pencrest, He's coached me at Sun Valley since I started there, um, and he's been great, and he's an analytics guy through and through. The other assistant I had was, and I just got lucky, he also interviewed for the head coaching job, and the athletic director came up to me afterwards and was like, you have another guy in mind because he is so similar to you, and he's a community guy. So now I have someone who has the same philosophy as me, who works incredibly hard, works for the district and runs our feeder program. So in turn, we're building a program with hardworking individuals at the top who are teaching those same um, those same characteristics to our younger coaches and younger players who will eventually play for us in the future. And that's what I'm looking for. How can we impact the school? How can we impact the community and get those students in the feeder programs to come to our public school? Yeah, that, that's something that this area uh, is
0: challenged with. Uh, I guess I don't know if I'd call it challenge, but the public schools are challenged with, uh, at least in the Philadelphia area where you have, I've spoken about this before, you have these private schools uh, in the area that are phenomenal schools. Yes, they are. And they put a lot of students, they play student athletes. Uh, at higher level uh, universities, uh, competition at least uh, compared to the public schools. I, at least that's, the, that's a generalization. Not saying it's fair yep. or right or wrong or indifferent, but uh, that's a generalization. So if your child has the opportunity to go to a private school where they're more likely to go Division one or have more resources to go Division one, then they're more likely to go there than they are to the local public school. Uh, and I see that across the board, and there we have some of the best public schools in the entire state in the, in Delaware county in this area. Um, so with that said, what you're getting at is in the feeder programs to re- retention of those of those athletes just like any business person would they want they want retention of their staff. you want retention of the athletes in in, in you know, Penn Delco Delco, School district, which yeah? is Sun Valley High School. yeah,
1: so and, and having so having a coach in the community is helpful with that. I want retention and I also want the community to be knowledgeable of what uh, what our team is doing, what our team is striving for, and knowing that, hey, think about it. We went to Pancrest High School, but growing up playing Rosary Colts, playing Media Little League, what did we know about Pancrest High School? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. We, we, were, we went to St. Mary Magdalene. We knew nothing. I want everybody to know about Sun Valley High School and what we have to offer and what our programs have to offer and how we can send students – to secondary, uh, higher higher education, secondary education to become better athletes to play at top levels in top programs, um, and we saw it last year. We had a we had a wrestler who was a two time state champion go to Virginia Tech, and he w- made nationals this year. Okay, that's a it's a public high school. He didn't have to go to Malvern Prep or School, which are phenomenal schools and phenomenal programs. But you can do that through a public school, but not everybody knows that. Right. Um, his younger brother is going to Navy. Okay, same type of thing. Um, two-time state medalist, like going to Navy. You can do that at a public high school. Um, and, and, and you
0: got to hang your hat on that. To me, you, you know, now uh, wrestling programs in the Pendelco area should hang their hat on. Listen, we had two wrestlers come through here that went big time D one, yes. and that are national competitors at the highest level possible. So, um, so what my my four takeaways on that are: uh, so how do you select your staff? You identify individuals that are hardworking, that have an impact on the community, um, care, and uh, create a culture. Uh, And then the fourth one that you didn't mention, but I I know you feel this way because you've talked about it, that they have traits that I don't have.
1: Yes, 100%. (laughs) And I talked about that with Coach Graham. Coach Graham is an analytics whiz. And I'm a math teacher. I like analytics. I love stat. But when you have a guy on your staff and that's all he's thinking about while I'm thinking about making a plan and creating a culture, we're on the same page but we're doing two different things and I can trust him with that without overseeing his job.
0: Yep. Amen. Amen. And, and with that is having five coach Chris Quintons on the coaching staff may not make that coaching staff better uh, nope. as opposed to having coach Chris Quintons and then four other members around coach that do different things better than you do. I it say it goes that.
1: back to the collaboration in the classroom with that. I have my students do okay? I know. my student athletes. Um, and I haven't spoken on this much, but the personality test I give a Myers-Briggs personality test to every single one of my students. When they come into my class in ninth grade, I give to every one of my athletes that I coach. So I know their personality traits. And that has su- had such an impact because I know your motivation. I know why you do things. I know why you act a certain way.
0: So you, will you study that? Uh, let's, so let's say there's a, an issue in the classroom uh, will you look at that later and be like, all
1: right I, that one hundred percent yeah that 's cool one hundred percent every single time I look at what their personality type is, and I think why they 're acting that way again goes back to being proactive um but yeah, um when I got my master's in education and uh twenty first century learning, I took a class called person styles of personality in the classroom and Oh, my gosh, was it enlightening. And you get to learn a lot about people and what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they react to successes and failures.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you want to motivate or inspire somebody, that's what you have to do, right? You have to know them well enough uh, or know their personality well enough to, f- to identify what's going to make them tick. That's it. Right? That's, that's cool. Um, all right, how, how do you better yourself as a coach? And I think we're getting into some of the, some more study, of this. Study, study, study. And are there any books or courses that you have taken that you find to be beneficial?
1: So um, I think, as a, again, coaching is teaching. Teaching is coaching. Um, the best thing that happened for me was getting my master's in education um, and taking those classes and learning about cooperative discipline, learning about collaboration in the classroom and on the field, learning about styles of personality and reflective practices. So – learning how the learning that not everybody is like you, not everybody is motivated like you. Okay. Everybody gets caught in themselves too much. And what we need to do is take a step back, observe and watch others and learn from them and how they, how they're successful or how you can help them become more successful. So that's just from the classroom aspect. I read a ton of books. Um, especially on sports psychology. Um, there's one called Sports Psychology for Coaches. You can get it on Amazon right now. Um, it's one of the best books. I've read it three times already, and I probably read it once a week. It's been in my backpack for a year and a half. Anytime I have free time, that's what I read in school. Um, and the other thing is I love, you can go to YouTube, go to CoachTube, okay? You have all these videos. Join courses, buy courses. Um, I spent, I don't know, $200 on Joe Daniels, a few years ago just to get his system, didn't even use it, but just to get a system and see his thoughts. Um, I do the same thing right now with another guy, Jeremy New, Heritage Football, just to see his 3-4 and get different viewpoints in their thoughts and how they do things, but more importantly, how they coach things. And that's one thing I love about Joe Daniels is he talks about um, think simple, play fast. I don't want the kids going out there and thinking about the thousand things that they have to do. You know your job, think simple, play fast. And that's gotta be the mentality as a coach out there too. You have to coach simple so your kids can play fast. You have to know how to communicate with your students quickly using certain buzzwords so that they can play fast. Because if you're over-explaining things, these Gen Z students have very short attention spans. And when you're over-explaining something, they lose the concept of, why am I doing this again? Instead, let them see the diagram let them figure out what they're doing, explain it in their own words, and then come up with buzzwords together so that it has an impact on that student, and you'll get more them. All right, we got to
0: put some of those uh, Joe Daniels and some of those other uh, names and resources in the show notes so our listeners can can get get at them. So free advertising, <laughs> <laughs> and, and to me, it's a, we spoke about. This, so you know, we wrote in together. It's it's about resources. That you know, this whole podcast is around uh, resources, education, information. And, and people want to take away something from, you know, I'm taking 30 minutes of my time or I could be on the phone or whatever else. And I'm listening to a, a broadcast of some kind, like a podcast. What are my takeaways, right? So, All the time. so to me, like those resources are, are easy takeaways for me, selfishly for me. And I'm sure for our listeners too. So thanks in advance for, for s- sending some of those resources over for our listeners. Um, and and you're, you're a student of what you're doing. So that's, that's special as a coach. You're a student to continue to learn and adapt uh to uh like you said, Gen Z. So
1: um it goes back I, to being a positive influence. Uh, if I'll never make a kid do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. So if I expect the kids to study the playbook that I'm putting out there. I need to study up on how to be a better coach, too, if I need you to study up on how to be a better athlete.
0: Can you touch on instant gratification in Gen Z? If, Absolutely. If, if you don't mind, we kind of touched on this on, on the
1: way in, and I was like, wow, that, go ahead, um, I'm, I'm taking away. away. So, I'm building it up. Um, the first thing with Gen Z is where I find the biggest difference um, is instant gratification. So if I'm a millennial, you're a millennial, and something I asked you earlier was, hey, you just had a child, Okay. She's five months old. She's my beautiful little goddaughter. With that being said, you post pictures of her on Instagram all the time. You post pictures on your story. Even with the physical therapy, you post. You have tons of posts. How many times do you honestly look a day at how many people viewed that post? Almost never. I might
0: maybe at one point or another I may glance at it before I go to bed or something, but I'm not doing it throughout the day. And I really am not. And I, it's not. A, I'd rather like. Like, uh, if there's comments, I want to make sure I respond.
1: So it's more, like, task-oriented, not <laughs> the, the personal gratification. And maybe I'm, I'm a bad person <laughs> for that. But. No, no, you're not a bad person. Okay, you don't need that instant gratification. You're putting things out there for the benefit of everybody else. You're not just putting it out there to make yourself feel better about what you're doing. You know what you're doing is right. Where with the Gen Z students, they need to know, they, they, they need to know people are watching. They need to check their likes. They need to, when they post something... They are looking at it, I'm telling you, at least every hour to see who looked at it and why they looked at it. And that is so important for young teachers and young coaches to understand about these new, or even older coaches and older teachers, to know about these Gen Z kids. That they need that instant gratification. They need to know that people are watching. That's why people say all the time, like, if I yelled at you as a coach, that means I care. Well, it's more than that. Give the kid attention. So make sure that you have, you note that, okay, I didn't talk to Tyler today. I need to make sure I reach out to him. Make sure that you find some way to talk to each kid on your team as the head coach. If you have too many kids, for instance, I have 31 students on my, student athletes on my baseball team. I won't reach out to every JV kid because I'm strictly with varsity. But every varsity kid I speak to during practice, that's in some capacity. The JV kids, I try to find during school, and talk to them in some capacity. I allow some of them to put their baseball bags in my classroom just so I can have that conversation. And, and in but, something that small, yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. That's the, that's the last thing I want to talk about with Gen Z is understanding. Like it's different when when we were millen- when we're millennials when we were playing, coaches yell at us and we get embarrassed. Okay, I want to prove them wrong. You're saying you want to, you have to get it right. Kids don't work that way. Because they think that they're failures. And it's like you have a young daughter right now. When she's two or three, you're going to get her Legos. You're going to get her blocks. You're going to get her connects. You're not just going to build those things for her. She's going to have to learn how to do them. And she's going to fail. And she's going to fail again. And she's going to fail again and fail again until she finds success. The only time... Failing is winning. Failing is winning. Because you're growing as an individual. But when you decide to quit only then have you become a failure. And I think that's happened too often with some of these Gen Z kids because they don't know that failing is working towards success. They think failing is being a failure. And if we can teach that to these students, hey, they'll, they'll help out society. They'll become better members of the society because they're learning to grow as individuals and as leaders.
0: So, how do you offer instant gratification? Do you verbalize obviously in communications communication throughout the throughout the day? But is there anything that you are doing while like while technique
1: is being worked on or while you are practicing? Yeah, absolutely. Pulling kids uh, to the side and just discussing what they're doing right. Okay, you don't have to harp on what they're doing wrong. Emphasize what they're doing right. They're going to focus on what they're doing right, and it will make up for anything that they made mistakes on. You don't always have to correct the mistakes. Okay. With that being said, just talking to a student, saying, you did a good job here, okay? But make sure that that is meaningful. You're not saying, hey, good job, good job, good job, good job, good job. Tell them why they did a good job, okay? Little things like that and having that constant communication. When we're hitting infield-outfield practice, I'm not hitting the ball. My assistant coach is hitting the ball. I'll be walking in the outfield. I'll be walking towards second base. I'll be having conversations with guys, but conversations that are on task and helping them with their, that instant gratification, telling them that they did good in this situation. Great hands on that play. Okay, that's really going to help us getting out there. Okay, way to catch that on your front foot, you're going minim- to minimize three steps to a runner because of that. That's going to help us get out. It's a game of inches. It's a game of timing. Like little things like that, they know that what they did not only was right, but why it was right. And that's what Gen Z kids need to hear.
0: So if they did something wrong and you, need,
1: and you feel like you need to identify what they did wrong, how do you do that? by having that conversation instead of yelling it out and saying, "Perfect example, outfielder, okay? When you catch a ball in the outfield, your job is to get that ball in quickly, put it on a rope through your your relay man's head. Now, with that being said, there are some kids who come in and throw a ball so high that it could hit a rain cloud and uh, the skies are thundering down on you because of it. Am I going to tell a kid like that? You just hit a cloud... It's going to rain because you made that throw. No, you, you just go right over to the guy. Hey, watch how Vinny does it. Watch this throw. Watch how Icon does it. Watch this throw. See how he's on his front foot and how he's putting it right through his head. That gives us an opportunity to get the out at second base. Cut the ball off at home if it's on, if it's offline.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're you're essentially asking them to participate in the learning process and to identify what the the, the solution so the problem is, so to speak, right? In, in this case, throwing a ball on the rope through the cutoff guy. Uh, and if it's over the – you know, if it, the cutoff guy doesn't need to catch it, then he lets it go. Then but he lets it go. The
1: catcher <laughs> won't tell him to do anything. Right. Just but goes but, non-
0: but nonetheless, you're saying, hey, watch that – watch how Vinny does it and, 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 you know, give me some feedback on what you think you could be doing better or different. So you're
1: having them engage in the process. Absolutely. So what's your goal as a coach? What's the end result that you want, you want the, in 100. that practice? Yeah. And if the end result is just point. wins and losses, like – you're doing it wrong. Hey, I want more wins. Every coach wants more wins. I get it, but we also want to build the complete athlete, but more than anything, the complete student. It's about relationships. Yep. Yeah. Report day one. Yeah,
0: it's all about relationships. And if you if you don't have a good relationship with your team, you're not going to get the results that that you want most of the time. Uh, in my opinion. Um All right. Quick five. After, you know, I think this is it. Here Let's, we go. All right. <clears throat> Favorite sport to coach, baseball, football? Football. Favorite sport to play, f- baseball, football? Football. One word that describes your coaching philosophy? Influence. One
1: book uh, for a young coach? Sports psychology for coaches.
0: Or one book for an experienced
1: coach? I would say Jeff Jansen's Leadership Manual, um, or any of Jeff Jansen's books. Also, the um, any of the Jeff Jansen's books, because... They talk about leadership in a different aspect, and he continues to post on Twitter about it as well. So you have multiple resources within one guy.
0: Yeah, it's uh, different platforms being used to, you know, connect with uh, coaches all over the place. Um, Anything else you want to add or or talk through? No, we're all set. This is cool. This is um, this has been we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm excited to have you on. Uh, pleasure as always. And, uh, how can
1: our, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they have questions or, um, you know, want to reach out? Awesome. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with me, um, all of my, all of my, I don't Instagram, know that, I guess my Instagram, Instagram my, my hand, all my handles are the exact same at coach Quentin's. So if you want to email me, it's coach at gmail.com. My Instagram is at coach Quentin's. My Twitter is at coach Quintins. Okay, feel free to reach out to me on any of those. Um, Feel free to follow. Most of those, the only thing I do as far as posting is I post to celebrate either my athletes or my students or somebody within our school. Um, I don't post negative comments. I don't say anything negative about today was a bad day. Everything is lifting each other up and moving on as a group and uh, helping students find success. And when they're successful, time to celebrate it i love the positive mindset that's that's important to me and um and we're working on your
0: tiktok so we'll get you on there eventually uh all right (laughs) thanks thanks for hopping on bro that's a wrap thanks for listening to the on cue performance therapy podcast if you'd like this episode please subscribe on apple Podcasts and spotify it would mean so much to me if you could leave us a five-star review so more listeners like you could get this important information see you next time